What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 254 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, July 28th, 2022, the year of our Lord, 4.34 p.m. Don't have to distinguish Eastern Standard Time from Pacific Standard Time on this episode. And why is that? Because Aid from the Slashers podcast was so well-reviewed, well uh you know, received that she's back and she's co-hosting, sitting in as co-host for Mike because, um, you know, he is a busy, he's a busy guy, so uh, he's not here. So, hey, welcome back, Aid. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. And thank you for having me on. I'm always, I'm always, you know, happy to join another podcast because that means I don't have to edit the episode, so. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> I, I do have to still edit it and all that stuff and that's, great for me but at least with uh you being on it's like uh you're more flexible and it's like okay well you know can you do it thursday and you're like yeah and it's like fuck finally because with mike and no offense to you mike if you're listening to this but it's like uh you know i throw out the dates that like i'm available and it seems like lately because he works like two jobs he's like just the day that i throw out is never the day that like can work for him and then we have to go run around making all these adjustments and shit. So anyway, glad you're here. So um, me and Aid uh, both happen to be huge fans of Stranger Things. Uh, this is totally a fictional episode uh, of the of this podcast. We're not doing any true crime stuff. This is totally a, you know, we've, we've talked about documentaries and stuff like that in the past on this podcast, but uh, this is, I think this is the first time we've ever talked about a fictional show like, uh, I mean, we just did The Sacrament, which is a fictional movie, last, but that was based on a cult, which is up our alley. But you know what? Stranger Things has a lot of horror aspects to it and murder and shit. Oh, yeah, before I go any further, this is full, chock full of spoilers. So if, if you're still on the show or you haven't seen the show or you don't care about the show, then this episode just isn't for you. Just sit it out. It's fine. But... um <laughs> Me and Aid loved the show. I'm assuming Aid loves the show. I think you said you ugly cried through the the last part of season four. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I adore this show. It's one of my favorites, and it really sucks that we had to wait three years. Obviously, you know, we had a pandemic in between, but waiting three years from season three to season four, I think really is was a lot really hard on fans, especially if you hadn't rewatched any of the seasons prior again because it's like you know you binge them in like two days and then you wait a couple of years and the next season comes out so i think that's probably the the hardest thing with stranger things is that it is so involved and to have to keep up with it over this this amount of time because it started six years ago um right 2016 yep okay oh my god because i can't do math i teach english not math um <laughs> So I don't know. That's probably one of the hardest things about it. So yes, there are going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode, everybody, especially for season four. So if you're not done with it, press pause, finish season four, and then come back to us because you will ugly cry and you will find out why I ugly cried. Bro, I got emo- I got emotional. I wouldn't. I, I didn't get to the the precipice of crying. No, I was at the precipice of crying. Like my eyes were watering, and I and I was getting goosebumps and shit. And I'm like, no, no show has made me feel this way in like a really long time. Uh, aside from unsolved fucking mysteries, uh, 
the show that that we based this whole podcast on initially and still will don't worry everybody we're getting back to more of that i'm sure at some point but um gotta say getting scraping our nails at that bottom of that barrel trying to find new episodes to talk about because you know doing this this podcast started in 2016 as well and um my god i feel like we've covered almost every fucking segment on that on that show but anyway yeah, I had a weird relationship with Stranger Things. So when it first came out, I was living with my parents still, which is crazy to think about. Um, and I remember everyone was ranting and raving about it because it's like, oh, it's this 1980s themed show with these kids and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's all retro and they got it right, you know, because there's a, a lot of, you know, retro or 80s themed shows that, that they don't do that great of a job on. But they're like, dude, this show's like, you know, legit, like, they, they have, like, this synthwave opening title track, you know, and that's what got me interested, and it's like, oh, really, this sounds kind of avant-garde, I like avant-garde shit, so I watched the first season back in 2016, and I was, at the time, only just kind of vaguely interested in it, uh, I thought it was pretty good, and then it ended, and, um, I was just like, yeah, it was okay, I guess, and I don't even know if I finished the last two episodes of season one. And I knew I kind of liked it the whole time, but I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And then it seemed like it took a while for season two to come out. Or maybe it took a normal amount of time, but I'm so used to streaming and binging shit that like I just want it all available there right away. And the whole old TV model of having to wait, like, what, a year between seasons? Like, oh, God, that would have been brutal. And having and having one episode come out per week, like that was that's such a shitty model. But that's how that's how it was, kids back in the day. <laughs> so I basically tuned out the entire time for season two. Season three got released. Didn't didn't even hear about it. Didn't care. Season four got released, and that's when everyone really started hyping it up because they were like, "Oh, I'm, I'm here for this." And I started hearing mention of Kate Bush is running up that hill. And I'm like, oh, great. Are they going to popularize a song I've been listening to for years? And yes, yes, they did. Um, I'm that hipster that gets annoyed when the mainstream finds out about, like, cool shit that's underground. It's like, See, I tried showing you motherfuckers this. You didn't listen to it. And you didn't like it. Now, all of a sudden, you like it because the cool kids like it kind of feeling. So anyway, I had finished The Sopranos recently, and it was so sad that that show was over, and I had binged the whole series. Uh, it was such a fucking good show, and I'm like, ah, oh, man. I was like, what? what's the next drug to inject into my vein that will keep me enthralled? And I was like, ah, oh, Stranger Things. Yeah, I, I, they have the new season out. I don't even fucking ba- barely remember the first season because I watched it in 2016 when it first came out. And so here I am. Rock you like a hurricane. Sorry, I had to say that. Um, <laughs> here I am six years later, and I'm like, shit, I have a whole series of this that I can watch. So I was like, all right, this isn't, this isn't exactly mafia killings and mob bosses going to therapists, but you know what? It's, it's something different. I'll give this a shot. So I'm going through the first season, and by the first few episodes of the first season, I'm like, man, I actually fucking like this show. Why the fuck didn't I keep up with it? What a dumbass. So then I proceeded to binge the entire show in the span of a couple of months. And so I was just, for my experience, I was just able to waltz right through each season like it wasn't no thing. That whole three-year waiting period and all that, it didn't even affect me. I think the biggest mindfuck for me was going from season to three 
And then season four, I'm like, holy shit, that's a whole lot of puberty that went on there. Man, these kids look, like, totally different than they did, like, the last, you know, even from the beginning of the series or whatever. I was like, geez, they all look totally, like, grown-ass oh, yeah. kids now. Yeah, they're they're so much bigger, and I think that's probably the most difficult thing to kind of, I guess, sell to the audience because they're all, I think they're all almost in their 20s now. And they were just little kids when it started. Like, Gayton Matarazzo, who plays Dustin, he's 20. And Damn. he just turned 20. They were doing an interview with him. And when the show had started, um, the Joe Keery, who plays Steve, he was only 20 when it started. So he was 20 when it started. Or, I don't know, I forget how old he was, but now he's going to be 30. And Dustin's turning 20, which I thought was hilarious. And I'm like, oh. Wow. So, yeah, they were just, they were like, oh, my God, I'm so old now. And it's just, it. I think that, well, casting, if you look at the cast, the cast is phenomenal. And I just think that they did such a great job with the kids that they chose, because I know we talked to, we were going to talk about this in a little bit, but they, I guess over a thousand kids auditioned for all of these, these roles here. That's insane. And, you know, just to get a kid as, as a teacher, just to get a kid to fucking do something like, you know, effectively is, you know, not very easy. So <laughs> I'm just, you know, sitting here, it just blows my mind that these kids are also articulate and intelligent. And, and for the most part, they play their age. Um, they might be a few years older than what they started with, right? Uh, especially, like, the older set of kids, like, uh, you know, Charlie Heaton and um, Nancy, I forget her name, uh, Natalia Dyer, is that who plays Nancy? I don't know any of the actors' yeah. actual names except for L's, so you're going to have to say this person's name, who played this person, because that's, uh, okay. yeah, because I don't have them all memorized. It, hell, even some of the characters in the show, I'm like, the, the guy, and then I'm like... So before this episode, I tried to really familiar myself, for, familiarize myself with at least the characters first and sometimes last names. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. So Natalia Dyer plays Nancy. Charlie Heaton is Jonathan. And, you know, fun fact in real life, they are a couple in real life and they've been together since the show started. So wow. that's cute. I know. And then uh, Joe Keery plays Steve Harrington, which, we, you know, Steve and uh, Dustin's uh, Gate and Matarazzo, like, they their dynamic in the show is so great. Like, it just – and I really – one of the things that I loved about the show, especially in the first season, was that, you know, Steve at the beginning you thought was kind of a jerk. Not really. But – you know, you weren't rooting for him. You're, you're you touching on something that I was actually going to bring up in one of my random points, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, then we can just bring that up in the random point. Like, maybe we'll just go through the seasons really quick so we can remind everybody what's what's happening. I, I don't know. Yeah, like, that's probably that's probably the smarter way to go about it. So, in, okay. it basically, in the first season, um, it begins on November 6, 1983, when researchers at Hawkins National Re- Laboratory open a rift to what's called the Upside Down, which we will elaborate on what that is. It's based, well, <laughs> the sentence then goes on to elaborate what it is. So now we're, we're going to do that right now. It's an, enti- <laughs> it's an alternate dimension that reflects onto the real world. So it's basically like bizarro world of like so basically the room i'm in now uh underneath this room in this seek in this secret realm is a carbon copy of my room but it's all shitty and vines are growing over it and it's evil and and evil lives in this version 
Um, and there's things going on all around me in this alternate world, and I, I, I have no idea. You know, so there could be like monsters walking around me right now in this other version, and there's no way they can interact with me because I'm on this side of the rift. So anyway, this monstrous humanoid creature uh, escapes from this upside down that the Hawkins lab opened up and abducts a boy named Will Byers and a teenage girl named Barbara Holland. Will had a mom named Joyce, played by Winona Ryder, which I thought was... The the acting opportunities that they gave the older actors, I, I was so happy about that. Like, I thought it was so cool that it's like, oh, there's Paul Reiser, you know? Like, I'm so... I'm, I'm glad they're giving these guys work, you know? Because it's like... <laughs> I just like I just like seeing these older actors like I like I guess I like the idea that you don't age out of art like because I, I guess maybe that speaks to my own insecurity of being a, a musician and being you know in my 30s and it's like eh, I, don't, I don't know of a whole lot of musicians that like get big when they're in their 30s it's, it almost seems like there's like a window that closes. But um, it's nice to see artists like still getting significant and important work later on in their life, you know, a- after they have seemingly, quote unquote, peaked. Because if, if Winona Ryder had walked into, you know, some s- highfalutin celebrity event in 2014, they'd be like, oh, there's that washed up actress who stole <laughs> shit in the 90s and got arrested for it. Um and, yeah, and, well, it was, I think that was the early 2000s. So oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Okay, even more recent. Um, I know. And, yeah, and now she's like a badass again, you know, because she got this role as as Will's mom. So anyway, uh, there's a town police chief named Jim Hopper, and uh, they search for Will. You know, in the mom's mind, he's just gone somewhere and in the real world, and they'll find him. Um, at the same time, a young psychokinetic girl who goes by the name Eleven escapes from this same laboratory, meets up with Will's friends, Mike Wheeler, Dustin Henderson, and Lucas Sinclair, and they try to find Will through their methods. And that that's essentially kind of what season one was. They're establishing the characters. Um, yeah. Um, and we can go through the, the characters really quick. We've got, you know, obviously Winona Ryder um, as Joyce. We have Jim Hopper. Um, we talked about the kids, Mike, Dustin, Lucas, and then Eleven joins them. Lucas is not happy with Eleven, if you recall. Oh, yeah. He does not want her there. He's, you know, you're breaking up the band, Yoko, kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, and then we've got the older kids. So we have the older set of kids, which are Nancy, Jonathan, and um, Steve. And then Barb, like Barb was like a huge fan. Oh my god, let <clears throat> say that again. Barge, 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 <laughs> barge. Barb okay, the barge. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm too excited over this. I'm just like running over my words. Okay, but Barb was a huge phenomenon back then. I mean, I know you didn't watch the show. I guess when it came out, as you said earlier, but. Barb was like a huge fixture and everybody was obsessed with her. In fact, she got other roles in other Netflix movies after this and she's in a really good one. I can't. Oh, it's what the hell's the name of it? I'll have to come back with the name of it. It's not a horror movie. It's really cute, though. So if you want to watch it, she's really good in that as well. But it's kind of really sad how they end her character. Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't get any kind of redeeming thing. And it's sort of Nancy's fault what happens to her. And so, you know, thankfully we get Will out of the Upside Down. We do not get Barb and we do not see Barb again. But she does come back in Nancy's nightmares later in the seasons because I think Nancy will always feel, you know, this this heavy weight on her shoulders because of of, of how – of how Barb disappeared and how violently she dies, right? Like it's not even that they that they take her away, but it's it, it just the way they find her. Oh God, it's awful. And so, poor Barb, you know. And I feel like they do this. This is like the theme of Stranger Things every season. We have a character that we that we fall in love with. That's not necessarily of the norm because you know Barb's a little bigger. Like she's not your normal typical girl. You know, she's redheaded, whatever. Kind of ner- um, nerdy. The the nerdy. The, the uh, you know the killjoy. The you know, let's not, you know, let's turn around and go back home. Let's not go to this party. And then Nancy's just trying to be like a kid and have a fuck it moment and be like, yeah, sh- screw it. Let me go to this get together, pound some brewskis, you know, get some action from my boyfriend, Steve. While, uh, you know, Barb's just kind of the, 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 the wallflower who just is like, yeah, I want to go home, you know. And I, we've all known people like that growing up. Yeah, I, you know, and it's not, I'm not to say that she's, that Barb was a bad character or anything. Um, she and Nancy are obviously different, but I think that, I think it would be one of those things where I'd feel really horrible if, um, you know, my wall fall, because I would have been the Nancy, let's be honest. Oh, I really? Always oh, had, yeah. Running around. And then, you know, I always had that one good girlfriend that just, you know, was like, don't do that, Adrian, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, and- I feel like people, I feel like <laughs> friends like that and, and, and the vibe I got from this show was like, obviously, Nancy and Barb met at, at a younger age when they were both kind of nerdy and they bonded over that. And then... What typically happens in in real life relationships that are formed that way when the one of the people kind of has some kind of evolution, say they they exit out of their ugly duckling phase, they hit puberty, they start and looking better, or they become more socially aware of how to conduct themselves to make more friends and say the other person doesn't have that of evolution then um naturally the friends start to drift apart because they kind of become different people and uh i de- i mean you already saw that happening with nancy and barb i don't think if she had lived i don't think they would have really remained friends in the uh upcoming seasons because i mean even uh lucas tries to break away from the pack in season four uh, and, yeah. and and he wants to be one of the cool kids, but it, he he doesn't take, uh, and he ends up no. going back with his crew, which was I thought was a, a good a good move. That would have been dumb. But uh, yeah, one thing about um, one of my little random factoids that I'll insert at this point uh, is that uh, you know Erica needed to uh, not yeah was it, no not Erica uh, fucking uh, Barb she needed to die because they the, there needed to be stakes. Right in the show now. Yeah. Now you didn't want to see the main focus of the show. Will you didn't want to see him die because like he the whole show season was about him and finding him. So they couldn't have him die. They he almost died in the Upside Down. He had fucking maggots in his nose or bugs of some undiscernible origin. That he had like a vine in his throat and all that, and he was in bad shape. 
and obviously had a lot of PTSD in season two from going through that. But yeah, somebody had to die. It's just good story writing. It it adds stakes to the show. If everyone had lived happily ever after, then I personally, as a student of, you know, good uh, writing, I would have been like, oh, that's a cop out, you know? Like, so I feel like it was important that they show that they have the balls to actually kill off characters. But one trope, one overarching theme of Stranger Things that I'm starting to get bored by is the whole notion of they're dead, but they're not really dead. And in the next season, they bring them back. Because I I was totally coming to peace with the fact that Hopper was permanently gone, and it added to the weight of Eleven's struggle. And for the whole thing, he's not really dead kind of thing. It was like, yes, it made, it gave fans a warm, fuzzy feeling. But to me, like who likes edgier kind of writing, I was like, ah, man, like kind of, cause I kind of liked the sadness that I felt through Elle when she made her diorama and and presented it in front of the school and the kids made fun of her and smashed it. And then on top of that, knowing the fact that he was dead added even more cruelty to it which yeah. made me feel, right? If he had been alive the whole time, I wouldn't have been as sad because it's like, yes, that sucks she's getting, being bullied, but he's still alive and he still loves her. So, you know, I don't feel that sad, but I like... Well, that, uh, yeah, that's go ahead. in season four, everybody, just so you know. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm, I'm jumping the gun, like, hardcore because I'm... That's why, like, yeah, it's good that we talk about all this now because my, um, my notes just go all over the place with the seasons. But anyway, oh, take it... take it. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. I think, you know, and to your point from before, it, like you, you, what you were just saying, you know, we thought that Matthew Modine had died, um, you know, Vision Quest, another 80s actor, by the way, who plays, you know, uh, Papa, quote Papa, like he should have been dead too, right? And then he comes back in, in season four, so. Yeah, what the fuck? I thought he did die. I thought Elle snapped his neck. Yeah, I thought he was dead as well, but he, he wasn't. And, you know, I, I, I'm happy to see him back because I thought he did a great job with this. It's so weird seeing him play this type of character because I remember him from the 80s and being young and, you know, somewhat attractive. And, and now, like, oh, oh God, he's old and he's being he's being this creepy old guy. And, you know, I well, we'll get to that part in season four because Elle's reaction to this, amazing. Like, you know, anyways... Moving on, let's just move. I guess we're good with season one, though. Well, totally. Okay, so with season one, season one feels like, you know, a horror a horror film, right? And I, I thought the same thing. I was actually talking about it with my friends over at um, Much Ado About Nerding. I think I sent you the episode from Yeah, Monday. I listened. I got, like, about 20 minutes into it, but I had all these errands I had to run, so I wasn't able to finish it. But, yeah, I did, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I did hear them, like, draw that comparison uh, for season one. Um yeah, and thanks, Joe and Sally, for, for that recap, because that really helped me out, especially today when I was thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to go back and, like, read everything all this shit. So, um, but anyways, uh, so for season one, totally, yeah, it is more of a horror film, but, and this always happens with all of these types of things, and I, I'm trying to think of other shows that do the same thing where the kid, oh, where, for lack of a better example, if we're talking about Harry Potter, like, when the kids are young, the stakes aren't as high, right? But the older they get, the darker the seasons and the series or the, you know, the films get and the books get. The same thing here with Stranger Things. Like, they're still young. They're, what, middle school aged, I would say, in the first season? 
Shit, I mean, early, early middle school. Like sixth grade, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, yeah, they're still they're still kid kids. So I don't think the stakes are that high for them. As we move along the seasons and the kids get older, you know, the show does, I think, take a little bit of a darker turn. Now, tonally, season two feels more like a, and we talked about this before in our messages, that season two feels more like a, uh, what is it, a, a like a superhero show at that point. Like we kind of shift the, the darker aspects of season one and we shift into the more like we're getting into the fact that kids are getting older. It feels more, it's getting more eighties, especially with Eleven's outfits. Her hair is grown out now. And so we're in season two, we're in the fall of 84. So I guess we can move on to season two. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I didn't want to just take over, so just let me know. Um, <laughs> Will finds himself the target of the Upside Down as a large um, tentacled entity that they named the Mind Flayer soon terrorizes the citizens of Hawkins and drawing back Joyce and Hopper along with Mike's sister, Nancy. Will's brother, Jonathan, and Nancy's boyfriend, Steve, as well as Will's close friends, Mike, Dustin, and Lucas. The whole group, along with the Californian newcomer, Max Mayfield's, as well as Missing Eleven, must join forces once again to prevent the threat from increasing. Now, some new characters with this season that were really good, which I adored, were, well, I know it's really hard to like Billy because he's he's racist, but if we take the racism out, like, I did like Billy's character because I knew that at some point he was going to take a, he was going to take a turn, right? Like, they're going to make him kind of like Steve, where you hate him at first, but eventually you're going to like him. Maybe not in this season, maybe in the next season. But so we have got Billy. Um, is it Dacre? Dacre? I don't know how to say his name. Dacre Montgomery. He's in Power Rangers, everybody. So we all know. Um, and then we have Sean Astin, obviously, another 80s actor, which I really love the fact they bring back these actors who were kids in the 80s. Because again, especially with Stranger Things, it has a very Goonies vibe. Yeah, and definitely. So, to have Sean Astin in this was and he- Winona Ryder, like, oh, my God. Well, she's not in the Goonies, but she was an 80s, young 80s actress. Like, it's such a good, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, but I love that. So, what, what, Who did Sean Astin play in the 80s? He was, he was Mikey in the Goonies. Josh Berlin's brother, the little one. So this is something that uh, everyone knows about me who listens to this podcast. Mike <laughs> is, the, is the movie guy, okay? I have... The movies I like are more avant-garde and on the fringes. Uh, anything mainstream, uh, I probably is, I haven't this seen. This is Josh trying to tell me that he's more highbrow than I am, but that's okay, Josh. It's you know, fine. it might come off that way. <laughs> I'm sure it does, but like I just I'm I'm a kind of a movie snob in a different way. Like I guess like. I don't know, a lot of those 80s, like, adventure, those classics, you know, that everyone loves, like, it just isn't a genre that appeals to me. And oh, so you don't like the Goonies. It's not that I don't like it, I just ha- I have no interest in it. I have no interest in seeing it, like. Well, Jake would, my co-host Jake would be very happy because he hates that movie, and. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> indifferent having- on it, it's not that I like it or hate it, I'm just <laughs> indifferent. I'm like, it just doesn't seem like a, a genre of movie that I mean, what my fucking favorite movie is like 2001: A Space Odyssey, which is one of the most obscure, has one of the most obscure endings. Uh, it mm. requires a lot of patience 
from the the viewer because there's a lot of scenes that are very slow, but then it it like has this, in my opinion, like completely weird payoff at the end. Basically, anything Stanley Kubrick does, I think, is genius. Uh, I don't oh, yeah. that's so like that's that that's the kind of shit that I really get a boner for. Like the the easy going, you know, one hour thirty minute, you know. Uh, th- movies in the 80s uh, not not really my thing though there are some exceptions I love Back to the Future I love Terminator I love Robocop you know like yes there are definitely some exceptions but like there's a lot of classic 80s shit I haven't seen that a lot of people would be like you gotta be shitting me man and Goonies is one of them okay well okay so you may not agree with me that it has a Goonies vibe to it but but. i know but like i know the premise of goonies so i can agree with you on that like because i know it's like a bunch of kids who go to you know it's like a a gang of bandits you know or i think yeah i think you should watch it i think that you should just sit down and watch it for what it is it's a quick you know run through Corey feldman is so hilarious in that movie like that's when Corey feldman was you know before he got into all of the shit he got into you know so I think that Josh Berlin is great in it. It's just a, it's very nostalgic. Obviously it won't be for you because you didn't watch it growing up, but it's, it, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. So if you, if you like Stranger Things, you should like that. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I just don't want to see that fat kid's little fat stomach. Oh, the truffle shovel. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to see <laughs> it that. It happens at the beginning of the movie. So you could just fast forward it really quick. It literally happens at the beginning and then it never happens again. Okay, so. that's good. That's comforting. <laughs> Poor Chunk. Oh, my God. Okay. So, you know, we're introduced to Sean Astin's character, Bob, who's actually dating Joyce, Will, and Jonathan's mother, you know, a.k.a. Winona Ryder. Um, we also have Maya Hawk. Uh, comes, is she, does she come in this season? Am I crazy? Where am I? No. She doesn't come in this season. She come, Yeah, she does. Who's she so play? Maya, Robin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah I, I wouldn't have been able to figure that one out either. So Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's da- uh, daughter, which I, as soon as I looked at her last name, I'm like, I go that right away. That's their daughter because she looks exactly like Uma Thurman. She even has the same voice as Uma Thurman because huge fan of Kill Bill um, volumes one and two and, and Pulp Fiction. I, I adore Uma Thurman. I think she's great. And, you know, so is their daughter. She's fucking phenomenal, phenomenal. And in fact, she was the best part of Fear Street part one and uh, she dies at the very beginning. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. But, you know, the fact that she wasn't in the entire series is a fucking rob in and of itself. But anyways, I won't get into that. Um, obviously, Paul Reiser shows up as Sam Owens. And then we have uh, Lynn A. Berthelsen, who plays number eight. Not number four, but number eight. So you were close. And <laughs> uh, Priya Ferguson as Lucas's little sister, Erica. So... We get introduced to all of these fun new characters. I think everybody does a really great job in and of themselves. I think that's what's another good thing about the show is that anytime they introduce a new character, you immediately um, like them. Or not maybe not like them, but you, you grow to like them. You grow to like kind of they grow on you sort of thing. And so I don't think it takes away from any of the old characters. It just kind of enhances the show. I don't know how you feel about that. Um. I just gotta say, and I'm 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 blowing one of my uh, random points, uh, random point notes or whatever. Uh, I I so hate Erica's char- <laughs> the character of Erica Sinclair. <laughs> she is so goddamn annoying, and 
they made her so snotty and bratty and rude and like I just I just found her annoying. She was just a, a her bratty snotty personality. She just how she refused to like she just treated the other kids like shit at first and she never really I mean she did get better as the seasons went on, got a little less annoying, started treating the characters a little bit better. I think when she saw that what they were saying wasn't bullshit, she's like, "Oh damn, you know, this is some crazy shit I haven't seen before." And the whole Lady Applejack thing with the D&D and you know, <laughs> she comes in there and she's automatically a master at it, even even though they haven't established her really like getting into it. Although she was left either Will or uh, L- Lucas's D and D books or whatever. I don't I don't know if which one left her the, the books, but it's like she, you you see she gets the books, but you don't see her like. You know, there's no Rocky montage of her like really muscling up on learning D and D, and now all of a sudden she's like in season what four, like I'm a stage fourteen Madge with the ability to cast spells and blah 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 this that and the other, and it's just like ugh. I just didn't like the character. I thought she was annoying overall. The whole the, like that's one character I just really didn't like. Yeah, I I agree with you for season two. I didn't really care for her in season two, but she, like I said, she did grow on me. I think that it, in a way, I do, I am happy that they introduced another female character that wasn't an idiot. Like, she's not stupid. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of hard for, to introduce female characters in a a show so centrally around boys. I mean, with the exception of Eleven. But if you look, Eleven is, you know, she, she's an integral part of the, of the show, right? But... Shit, and season, like, seasons, like, one and two, well, season one especially, Ella's more, like, androgynous than anything else. She displays no uh, particular boy or girl characteristics, so she almost doesn't even, like, count as a female character in season one. Only as it goes on does she, like, you know, grow into the fact that she is a, a budding young lady and starts exploring different fashions and growing her hair out and shit. Um, <laughs> that's why I thought Max was like a, the perfect fit in season two because like you know total tomboy, you know could totally hang and all that and um you know just instantly was likable as part of the crew. Um, then there's the whole dynamic with her piece of shit brother and and the show never really like goes into how the two got paired up because they have different last names, Max Mayfield, Billy Hargrove. Uh, they don't really explain the mother situation, the father situation, how how are, they're clearly step-siblings of some kind. They never go into any of that. It's just like something yeah. something fucked up happened in California and now they're here and where's their parents no one knows Billy's pissed off at Max because she's apparently the reason why they had to flee California and Max is saying it's Billy's fault and he's like what the fuck did you just say you know it's like what are you gonna beat up a kid you piece of shit like yeah, yeah anyway he, he was very toxic and to have a character like that that is so incredibly, I mean, I just remember how fucking mean he was. Like, I just couldn't believe that they, because you never see characters like this on on anything nowadays, especially with the whole PC crap, right? So I don't want to say it's crap, but it's true. You're not going to create characters this way. I think he works in this sense because 
this is in the 80s, right? Right. And, you know, his kind of toxic masculinity and what he represents was so common and so normal. Oh, yeah. That, you know, that I'm glad that they incorporated in that show and they really didn't do much because they kill him off before he can ever really redeem himself, right? So well, see, that's another one of my points. Is like uh, one of my random points that I'm I'm gonna just throw out here. Uh, in Stranger Things, the only way you have permadeath, <laughs> the, only, <laughs> the only way you you die forever in that show is is either a you have such little screen time that the audience isn't able to form a bond with you, or b you're just so fucking unlikable that it's like cartoonishly unlikable. And so we have Bob Newby the love interest of Joyce Byers, uh, who, super nice guy, friendly as all hell, not a single thing wrong with him, except for he's a little dopey and corny, super lovable. (laughs) They give him, like, he's probably got, like, 20 minutes total of screen time, if that, in the entire, what, it was his second season or whatever. Um, And and so it's like, when he died, it was like, yeah, yeah. Just kind of saw that coming, you know. He had very few little screen time, even though he was well liked. You, you didn't really get to invest any emotion into him like you do all the other characters who have so much screen time. Billy by far has more screen time than Bob, but they made him so goddamn unlikable that you yourself as a viewer wanted to kill Billy. Like yeah. you wanted something really bad to happen to him because that he's he's. He doesn't want Max talking to Lucas, who's the black character, because he's racist, you know, and he's like, he's just a bad kid, stay away from him, and, you know, and, and he's he's mean as fuck to everyone, especially his kid sister, uh, just like a douche, total douchebag, uh, just kind of like uh, tries to seduce uh, Nancy's mom, you know, knowing that she's married with kids and shit, trying to break up a marriage. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like, uh, I mean, all the, the the only other thing they could do to make him more unlikable is have like a swastika tattooed on his peck or something like that. You know, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. It's like, we get it. He's he's the bad. He's the bully. He's the bad guy. He's the guy we're supposed to get. We Hey, we get it. You know, it's like, could you be any more subtle? Duffer Brothers, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's why I think that people were so intent on believing in season four before we found out was that everyone was assuming at the time that Billy was Vecna because Billy disappeared, he dies, and then he just, you know, kind of dies, you know, at the, you know, as a result of the upside down and all the creatures coming out of it and all these things. And so this happens in season three. Well, let's just get to season three. Fuck it. Let's move on. Okay. Season three. We're still talking about Billy here. So everybody keep him in mind. In the summer of 85 in Hawkins, the newly opened Starcourt Mall has become the center of attention in town, which I think is such a good way to incorporate a mall. Because we don't have really have malls anymore. I yeah. mean, we do, but they suck. Like, they're not... They're, they're becoming more and more <laughs> antiquated as as the time goes on. I mean, they... And, and you, yeah, and you remember, like, as a kid going to the mall to hang out. Like, you would never do that now. As a yeah, kid. yeah. I, I mean, even mall. even when I was a kid in, in uh, you know, the early 2000s, like, a teenager, like, going to the mall was still... Uh, viable, you know, internet speeds weren't great for most houses. Amazon wasn't really a thing. Buying online was still seen as this very sketchy 
endeavor that you just would not do. It's, oh, no, don't buy it online. They'll steal your shit, your credit card information and all that. And so going to a brick and mortar store was definitely the norm back then. And dropping your kids off at the mall on Friday to go see a movie and hang out in the food court and all that was like definitely what me and my friends did, Um, you know, and that was a tradition that went back three decades, you know, at least. Um, And sadly, I will say nowadays, that's not really a thing. I've never met a chick at the mall. Gotta say, I was uh, pretty overweight as a teen. So uh, that whole talking to chicks at the mall, that wasn't that wasn't a a reality in Josh's world, sadly, which uh, for any of you who've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know all about that and the perks of being a Josh flower. Uh, My my (laughs) Did I tell you about that? I, I stumbled upon my old diaries from when I was a teenager that I used to write on this website called Zanga. When the website shut down, they... Oh, my God. I remember when, Yeah, when the website shut down, they basically gave you this big-ass PDF file that was essentially all your journal entries on one file, so, you know, you wouldn't have lost them, which I thought it was cool that they did that. Um, and so I discovered it on my hard drive. I was like, you know what? This would be a, fu- a funny thing to read at the end of the podcast, not knowing how people would react to it. Dude, people are obsessed with that that little segment that we would do at the end. People started, I felt like people started listening just to hear me read from my old diaries because it was 100% honest. I was holding nothing back. And you got to imagine how we talked back then. It was not politically correct. And oh, no, no. It was I, so bad back then. I was brutal <laughs> as a teenager with the, with the words I said. You know, like there was no holding back any punches but yeah like uh man there was like sometimes where i read through the diary and i started getting choked up and shit because i'm like jesus christ having to relive certain memories that i forgot about and all that there are people now who are like dude make a whole like basically they want me to edit out all the josh flower segments and make one big master episode of just that and it's like dude you know how much work that there was there's like 50 Segments. So there was like 50 episodes where I did that at the end or whatever. That would take so long to do. But uh, yeah, anyway, basically to sum it up, I was pissed off that I wasn't getting any pussy. I was fat and I wanted to make it in a band. That was the three main points of my... Of my uh, <laughs> those, are my th- those are my three main grievances with my teenage years. Oh, bless your heart, Josh. It's okay. I mean, all of us were crappy in high school. I, I looked like Tina Belcher, I think, until my junior year. And then I, I got like quote pretty and then all of a sudden like my whole life had turned around yeah and i wanted that for myself because i knew it was possible i saw i saw in my face i was like you could be attractive if you didn't have this bodysuit over you constantly oh well you know and that's the thing is that i think that especially when you watch shows like this and you see these kids going through puberty and everything because it's really apparent their acne Oh, yeah. It gets worse (laughs) the older they get. (laughs) And it's like, oh, bless their heart. Like, everyone goes through that. that. And if you don't go through that, and if you didn't go through that time in your life, then lucky you. Dude, how how old is Jonathan Byers, the actor who plays him? Because that that dude looks like he's, like, 35, bro. (laughs) Well, he's he's young. He um, he got in trouble, actually. Uh, He does drugs. So that's probably why he looks like he's, like, about to keel over like homie's got um, like like bags for days under his he's eyes only 28 he's 28 years old and and he's also british so i wonder if that has anything to do with it oh but, he's uh, fucking british <laughs> oh my god dude these british actors who do such a good job doing an american accent i would have had no fucking idea he was british that is yeah, insane he, 
He's really, I mean, yeah, he and uh, obviously um, we're going to get to Eddie in a little bit because I'm totally going to fangirl over Eddie when we get to season four. Oh, by the way, everybody, I fucked up. Maya Hawk is not in season two. She pops in in season three at the Scoops Ahoy. I'm getting my seasons, you know, they're they're blurring into each other because I'm old and it's been 10 years since I've watched it. So anyways, Maya Hawk comes into season three. But, uh, you know, also Joseph Quinn, who plays Eddie, is also British. And so does um, Charlie Campbell Brower in season four, who plays several different characters. And we'll get to that in a little bit. He's also British. Um, and they all do such a good job at hiding it. So good for them. Um, but Not going to lie, I'm, I'm, I'm low-key disappointed that they're British actors. I really, it does to me. It doesn't matter. I really. It, uh, I mean, I get, I get, I get. I'm splitting hairs with white people here versus like American <laughs> white teenagers and British white teenagers. But if if you're gonna be so authentic to the point of like basically making the video store that they end up working at, like literally everything in the video store is like authentically from the 1980s. It's like if you're gonna go through that links, you couldn't have found an American kid, you know, to to play the the role. I mean, it just would have, it just would have really buttoned up the uh uber authenticity even though even though they do amazing jobs and i detect i mean it's like hugh laurie level of i mean shit they do better than hugh laurie because hugh laurie's american accent is is uh so neutral that it's like man what what territory is he from like what what region of america is he from it's just a very basic (laughs) it's it's like an alien american accent these kids actually sound like they're from like you know, I guess doing like kind of tacking on the slight '80s like Valley Boy thing with Eddie kind of helps sells a little bit too. Like yeah, bro, you know Keanu Reeves vibes, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's well, I mean, to say they're kids, he's 28. So when he started, he was like, oh, I guess when he started, but like 22, so it's super young. Um, I the only chase me I have with him, and that's why I think he looks a little haggard, was that he did get caught at the airport with cocaine on him, and he was arrested. Um, and this was like right after the first season came out, so I don't know. I'm sure he. I think he parties a little hard, so maybe that's why he looks. I, I'm just assuming, or he could just be a typical, you know, pale white guy who just kind of. I mean, <laughs> uh, the, the bag thing that that is as as a quarter Italian, that is a very genetic thing yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying he's, he's got any italian in him but it's like i mean obviously my alcohol consumption exacerbates the bags that are already there That's, i'm saying yeah you know it, it sometimes it, and i drink a lot too so i'm not judging anybody but i just think that they just I think it kind of, you know, whatever with him. But that's, he looks very British. When you know he's British, you're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now that I know that, yeah, he does have a very British kind of looking face. Eddie, not so much, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, Joseph Quinn, well, we'll get to him in a little bit. But so season uh, three, did we we finish? No, uh, we we talked about the mall and then we just kind of gushed over malls in general and how much we loved them. I know. Okay, so then Hopper disapproves. So we're getting the fact that they're getting older now, everyone. So um, Eleven now lives with Hopper. He basically adopts her, and he is not happy about Eleven and Mike's relationship. So it's like, you know, the cute little, you know, shtick of, you know, I'm your dad, and you don't be alone with a boy in in your room kind of thing. Um, Joyce considers moving out of Hawkins. Uh, She enlists the help of Hopper to investigate the reason behind her magnets, losing the magnetism. So remember... All of this has to do with the upside down and the magnetic pull, I guess. Like we figure that with the compass in season one and then all of the magnets stop working at some point. 
in season two, excuse me. And then Will begins having premonitions. So this is, and this is why that drives me crazy about the show is that poor Will has been through the fucking ringer. Oh, I know this fucking kid. It's like, how much more are they going to put this poor bastard through? I know it's awful. And it's just, and you feel, and he's such a good little actor. And even now as an, I mean, I don't know. And I'm We're going to talk about this. We get to season four. I, and I, I posted a meme about it on my, my Instagram about the hairdresser must have been fucking mad at everybody because they gave them all the shittiest haircuts with the exception of Argyle in part four, like, and Eddie, obviously. But, um, like, everybody else had the shittiest fucking haircut. Like, Al's oh, yeah. hair was horrible. Will's hair. Like, you know, uh, Jonathan's hair. I'm like, oh, even Nancy's hair. I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this hair? Like, I know they weren't that bad in the 80s, but then I was re- watching a, a documentary or a little thing this girl was doing. I saw. We'll get into that in a little bit. But anyways. Well, the bowl, um, hair, the bowl haircut was a hot a hot haircut for, for children in the 80s. I do know that. So that doesn't really surprise me that they all had bowl haircuts because, like, I had a fucking bowl haircut in the early 90s, you know. Yeah, but it's also ter- a territorial thing, too. So when I was watching a uh, little this, and I forget this chick's name, but she's awesome. She does like these little quick little videos about like a little cute fact that she learned about Stranger Things. And um, she was saying that if you look if, if you look at season four and you're comparing the California kids to the Hawkins kids, the California kids, they have the latest styles, and they're, like, totally 80s. They're more colorful, whereas the Hawkins kids, they're muted. Their style's a little bit dated because, obviously, we didn't have Instagram and Facebook and the Internet back then the way we have it now. And so, like, styles didn't reach them as quickly as it would on the coast, right? So California was, like, the it place, and that's why I think – that's why I know that – Elle and Will were being bullied so badly in season four because they clearly were their their look was completely dated. Right. So, um, you know, that's why I think, in my opinion, that they had those shitty haircuts with the Hawkins kids, because ever, all the kids in California looked fine. Right. Yeah, that, that so. makes sense. I didn't I didn't, <laughs> uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't take that into consideration. So that's a little fun fact that I really enjoyed about that. But we're still on season three, everybody. And then the Mind Flayer. um, So Will begins having premonitions regarding the Upside Down. So he's still being affected by the Upside Down and what happens to him. And we kind of get that in season one at the very end. We get that foreshadowing and then we get more into it in season two. And then finally, um, the Mind Flayer takes control of Billy's mind, leaving Dustin and his friends no choice but to battle him. Also... In this season, or yeah, and we didn't, we forgot all about to talk about um, number eight in season two. Yeah, that 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 leads into one of my other tangent points, but uh, it it is something that's definitely worth mentioning. It's something that I caught, and I was like, just patting myself on the back so much for being like, "Wow, look at I figured I found something that I haven't heard anyone talk about. Good for me, you know. I'm being observant for once." Um, <laughs> yeah, so at some point in season two, Elle locates her mom, her birth mother. Her birth mom is uh, just kind of locked in her own brain because of a electroshock that they gave her at the Hawkins lab when she went searching for her daughter after her daughter was born. And if, it, it, it flashes back to that. So the mom yeah. is actually looking for Elle, where the fuck, you know, where's my baby and all that. And uh, they they basically electroshock her into a state of uh, just 
a vegetable, essentially. She just sits there and repeats the same few phrases that have significance, um, and you kind of see it in the flashbacks or whatever, but I don't think it really amounts to much or whatever. And there's also, like, what, her Elle's aunt, who's also there, who's kind of the caretaker of the mom. Uh, So anyway, Elle decides to, and and maybe you can, I might have been a little drunk when I was watching this particular scene. What spurns Elle to even go to New York? Yeah, I I forget. She runs away for whatever reason. Oh, my God, I can't even remember. Isn't that awful? She she gets picked up by some trucker because she leaves her mom's house. I think her mom might have told her to in because she goes inside her mom's mind and maybe her mom was like go get revenge against the hawkins people or maybe else saw what happened to her mom saw the electro shock shit and she's like i'm vowing to get revenge maybe the trucker happened to be going to new york i i think we are completely dropping the ball on this but this this is not important it's not important how she got to new york or why she got to new york what's important is that they've made an episode where she ends up in new york and it's like okay where are they gonna go with this Elle ends up meeting these street urchins, these apparent street urchins that are around her age. (laughs) And um, somehow or another, we find out that one of the street urchins is uh, eight. And 11 is 11, meaning that they were both guinea pigs in the Hawkins Research Lab. Yes. And eight has completely different abilities than L does. She has the ability, the ability to make people hallucinate, and which is totally different than L's uh, telepathic uh, kind of psychokinetic ability. And at this point in my mind, I'm thinking that is such a cool twist. That means that there is at least uh, ten other people out there in the world who all have different powers. This is like the fucking X Men. Which uh, I think the Duffer brothers are big fans of because they make um, Dustin, like he's a big X-Men fan in the show and he makes a bunch of references to the X-Men and this, that and the other. So I'm thinking, oh man, this this is like such a cool twist. She hangs out with these urchins. That's just what I'm deciding to call them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these, 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 uh, what is it? little Cretans, yeah. Yeah, these, uh. Which is, a, which is a trauma reference that you don't know, but that's okay. Yeah, these, <laughs> these ragamuffins, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, Anyways, yeah, she so, makes friends with them, but I. It, that's, she, that's my thing, is that you're completely introducing an entirely new universe. New characters, new universe, new powers, the, the possibility that new powers could even happen. The yeah. number eight is teaching Elle to ha- kind of how to hone her powers and, and, and strengthen her telekinesis or yeah, her psychokinesis to where at one point she's able to grab this like train and pull it towards her. And obviously, you know, that would require a lot of effort, but she's able to do it. And a lot of it's like thought based. And they basically are using L to, because they have the, the, this goal of going back to the Hawkins lab and killing anyone that was involved in the experimentations. And so they use L to use her psychic abilities because that's one thing. If L is, um, if she's put in like uh, the uh, sensory deprivation tank and she is blindfolded, she can basically like Professor X with Cerebro, she's able to basically like find people in her mind and get into their head and see where they're at and what they're doing and what they're saying and find their location and shit. 
and they realize that she can do that, and so she ends up finding one of the guys who was responsible for electroshocking her mother, and so they drive to his apartment, and they go to seek retribution. They almost kill him. Elle almost kills him. But then she sees a picture of him with his two girls. And then one of the urchins yells from the other room, hey, there's two kids in here. And number eight's like, fuck it. He, he still needs to die anyway, you know. And so she grabs the gun and goes to shoot him. And L throws, like, mentally throws the gun out of her hand through the window. And then at that point, I think the cops come or something and they have to leave. And, you know... Eight, number eight on the way back is like, if you want to show mercy, that's your choice, but never take a gun out of my hand or something like that. At that point, they're living in this warehouse, which eventually the cops like find their location. They storm the warehouse. Eight uses her powers to make them invisible to the cops, and um, they're able to escape. They run to the van to escape the area, and they want Elle to come with her. And at this point, I just want to say this because I thought that this was super cool and the CGI was just top notch. The cops see the van and go to shoot at it, but number eight, like, psycho or does this hallucinatory steel wall that totally just comes up, and the cops are like, what the fuck? And so they, they stop shooting because they're like, oh, there's this big wall here, but there's really not, but they don't know that. Um, and so I'm like, wow, you know, look at all these cool powers that number eight can do. Like, that like that's I can't wait for them to explore this further, and Elle's like, nah, I'm gonna go back to Hawkins and help my friends out. They need me, and then they're like, okay, peace out, and they just drive away. Elle escapes, goes back to Hawkins, and you never hear of these people again. They don't come back and assist Elle in the final battle, which I thought would have been so cool. Uh, they don't, you don't hear from them. You don't. They make no more mention of it. So my whole thing is, was that part of that episode, was it filler or was it a backup plan for them to have a spinoff because they've already said that season five is going to be the last season. So I'm thinking very highly that's going to be a spinoff. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Like it's clearly, it clearly felt like a spinoff. Tonally was very different from the rest of the show and the rest of everything because we never really kind of visit that sort of, uh, with the exception in season four, when they go visit the, the, the Dustin's girlfriend and her fucking, that, the whole house of characters. Yeah. It was probably going to be its own show too, right? So, and then they want to do a spinoff. I was, I was reading just rumors they're doing a spinoff with Steve and Robin's characters too. That's weird. Who knows? Who fucking knows? I have no clue. I, I, I posed this with the guys this morning because, like, you know, we all talk every day because we have nothing else to do, apparently. Um, <laughs> and Jason had said, and I forgot to mention, I we have two other co-hosts on our show, Jason and Mikey. I love you guys. I'm sorry I didn't mention you last episode, but I, I start talking and then I forget what I'm talking about and I just move on. And what's the so, name of your podcast, Aid? Slasher's Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there's five of us, but you know, you'll, you'll never hear five of us on one episode. It's like, that's why there's five of us. So we always have somebody to do a show with anyways. Um, so Jason had said that apparently he was reading up on it because he was annoyed by that as well. And even on much to do about nerding, they had mentioned that they, they're hoping to see more of eight in this season and season four. And obviously that didn't happen, 
But apparently she has escaped because whatever happened happened in 1979 and she apparently escaped before all of these events. However, I'm trying to think back in season four. I feel like I don't remember if they ever called a kid number eight. So I don't know like when she would have escaped. And like you were saying, a big plot hole is that her power is so much different from the rest of theirs. Now it's still sort of. Yeah, because kinetic in a way, but it's not because then in season four, they're showing the flashbacks that you see in season one that L is that's tormenting L. She actually goes into her sensory deprivation chamber and uh, after she gets caught and I'm skipping ahead. But anyway, uh, they're showing all the kids they are showing numbers two through eleven and they all have the same psychokinesis, psychokinetic powers, or or, or, yeah. or at least a few of them. Well, no, they all do, because they show them playing in the room, and they're all moving things with their mind and shit. And it was just like, well, then why did you have the one have completely different powers, and uh, these other kids are all psychokinetic? Well, technically, I guess, in a way, it is psychokinetic. She just has the ability of going into someone's mind and creating, like... I guess in a hallucination, sort of like that's what Professor X can do, right? Like everyone thinks that Professor X and Jean Grey have the same powers, but not necessarily because Professor X can actually go into your mind and control it as well. I don't really know if I guess I I still I I, I, I still consider it. uh, I still consider a having a different power, uh, a different like a different type yeah because it just why introduce that and then never bring it up again and so that's that begs the question and we're gonna have another season we're gonna have one more season after season four so hopefully at that point we're gonna have a little bit of closure with that especially if they're planning on doing a spinoff and so it would make sense if they did a spinoff with robin and steve that it's robin and steve like working in different places, right? And they're basically coming across all of these other, uh, I guess, mutants, you could call them. I don't know what they're no. called there, but ur- 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 urchins or, um, you know, cretins or whatever the hell we want to call them. <laughs> because... Ragamuffins. I, yeah, at this point, like, what are we... I, I, They're all dead. We know that Al killed the rest of them. So there's no... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what else are we going to... I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's more that exists that never got caught, right? So we'll see. I get. I know that they're going to have to do a spinoff. I mean, you know that. Like, if you look at this show, I think it's like the most successful show on Netflix. Like, everyone keeps saying Netflix is dying. I don't necessarily believe that so much because I, I haven't heard that. Who's saying yeah, that? Yeah, people are saying that it's it's going under. There's all these issues going on with it as far as like who controls it and the fact that the price. I just looked at my bank account the other day and I'm like. Netflix is like $17 a month now. And I'm like, when the fuck did that happen? Oh, damn. Yeah, I'm using my mom, so. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. It's like people always get, my mom uses mine. So I, I don't cancel it because my mom's on mine. You know, like my boyfriend uses my Like everyone's on my fucking Netflix. So I'm not canceling They're all it, leeching but, off of you. Oh, I know. It's like at that between that Hulu and stars, like my mom has all my shit. So it's okay, mom. I love you. Anyways, um. <laughs> I just, for me, I think that season two, I don't want to say is the weakest, but it sort of is the weakest, in my opinion. Yeah. Season season three really fucking amps it back up again, and it's just a shame that we have such a long, long, long intermission from three to fucking four. Like, because at that point, 
the kids are all they're not kids anymore they're fucking adults playing kids now yeah <laughs> especially i think um oh yeah because uh, because they're going in the, on the show they're going in chronological order so it's like season three 1985 season four 1986 like uh wow that is some yeah. puberty happening right there exactly rapid exactly. onset puberty disorder something in the water at hawkins man and and of course in season three we have a couple of important deaths. You know, Alexi dies and he's integral to the to the plot at that point. We all really liked him. We're also introduced to Murray Bowman, who's in season four as well. I, he doesn't I love he doesn't that guy. die. Yeah, Murray's a lot of fun. Um Maya Hawk Robin comes into play at this point. And so, you know, forgive my my nonsense from earlier. Carrie Alwis is also in the season as Larry Klein, which I thought was fun. I'm like, what was Carrie Alwis, another eighties? Well, I guess yeah, he's an 80s actor. Another 80s actor coming onto the scene. that got to love it. Uh, who looks amazing, by the way. He went from being fat and saw to, like, losing all his weight and looking great again. So good for you, Carrie. We love you. And Which one was this? <laughs> he plays Larry Klein. He's one of the 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 government people in season three. Carrie, I'll, okay, you're going to have to Google him because I'm not getting into, you know, if you've seen Robin Hood Men in Tights, if you've seen The Princess Bride, which for some reason tells me that you haven't seen these films, then you have no idea who the hell I'm talking about. So, um, but I love him. So you'll have to just Google him. And um, for season four, obviously we get into 1986, and season four is a completely different animal than season three, I think. Did we finish kind of talking about the plot of season three of the Mind Flayer? Um, Oh, no, not really. Okay, so in season three, we know that the Mind Flayer comes in kills Billy. Mind Flayer, uh, by the way, is essentially this huge, uh, terrifying, uh, like, spider that's made of black tornadoes <laughs> that, like, hover- is, like, towering over Hawkins, and, like, it, it, it possesses Will, you know, yet again, he gets fucked over, and it, like, goes inside of him, and Will starts doing all kinds of crazy shit, like, uh, you know, eventually this thing starts taking over Will, and he and becomes. They even have an episode called "The Spy," where Will is essentially uh, leading all the Demogorgons to where they are at. He's like basically pinging the location of 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 the group to the Demogorgons, which are the monsters with the flower-looking head and all the teeth and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so that they how how do they end up casting that out of him? I think doesn't L have something to do with that? I, yeah, I'll get rid of it. <laughs> I, I oh my god, see this? I should have rewatched all of them, but I didn't have time. But you know, L, I know the the whole point is is that they rely too much on L. So I think the the big stakes in season four when we get to it is that they don't have L, right? Right, and then also in season three, um, we find out that the reason why uh, we're seeing all this bullshit happen is because the Russians have set up a base in Hawkins and they have made their own device that is able to open up the Upside Down. Yeah, so of course, you know, with the 80s, we have to get, you know, have to talk about the Russians. So, you know, the the whole thing was just crazy. And Steve and Robin... And Erica, obviously, their little their scenes in the film have to do with discovering all of that. They end up getting trapped down there. So their their scenes were really good, especially yeah. with Steve and Robin. I really enjoyed 
their dynamic. And, you know, I'm just so happy that they had that in there because it's, you know, not that the kids are, are, I don't mind the kids. I like the kids, but Dustin, I know we're supposed to love Dustin and I do love Dustin, but that whole fucking tangent where they were singing the never ending story song at the end, I was like, when is this going to end? This is stupid as fucking shit. I hate this. Yeah. Like, I feel that. Like, I fucking hated it so much. It was not nostalgic. Firstly, the never ending story is the most saddest fucking movie. I hate that movie. Like, I can't. That's one, that, deal that's with the one that where the horse walks into the quicksand, right? Yes. Oh my God. Don't even. I'm going to start crying. Yeah, don't fuck even that. talk about that. Like, I mean, literally, it brings back the worst memories. So, we're going to have a whole fucking song. And it's like, we don't have time for you assholes to be singing three choruses of a never ending story when everybody's dying. We've got the whole fucking town is like on fire. The mind flares coming for them all. Like, everybody is like in this turmoil, and y'all are singing. Like, what was the point of that scene? I do not know. I didn't, I did not enjoy. I know a lot of people enjoy that scene. I fucking hate it. So you can, you know, unfollow any, me any, if you any, must. Anytime but. kids, anytime kids sing just in life, in TV, just in general, <laughs> I, I typically don't like it and don't want it to happen. Unless, just, in, unless the kid is like Michael Jackson when he was a kid, that's the only exception I'll make. But at any other time, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. I just, I didn't think it was necessary. Like, okay, if they did a quick little, you know, thing together, that would have been cute. But the fact that they made it an entire scene, because I think what they were trying to do, what they were more successful in doing with Kate Bush's Running Up the Hill, they were trying to do it with that song in season three, right? Because essentially they're trying to say that story, that never-ending story song is like their theme song, right? What the fuck ever. Obviously now we know Kate Bush is their theme song and that's going to be the end-all be-all, but whatever. Um, Which I liked that song way before it was in Stranger Things, god damn it. And I've tried (laughs) showing that song to people and they're like, oh, it sounds so 80s, whatever, you know, that's lame, you know. It's like I fucking hate how how easily people's minds can be shifted if if it becomes like a a, a cultural zeitgeist moment. Now, now all of a sudden it's cool, but but when it was just a song that Josh was showing me, fuck that and fuck him. Oh well, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I've always known that song and I never cared for it. Like, I don't really like her voice. So. Yeah, she has a very, she has a very like you either like it or you don't like it. I mean, she she was art pop in the eighties. Her like she was like among a class of artists uh, in England who was doing avant garde pop, like Peter Gabriel. And uh, artists like uh, uh, Bowie to a certain degree, but you know, obviously Bowie was probably the most successful of the three that I just named. Even though Peter Gabriel sure. and Kate Bush had success at that time in their own right, uh, I don't think Kate Bush would have ever, in a bajillion years, realized that uh, 2002 was going to be the year she won the lottery. But you know, yeah, well, 2022. Oh, 20, 2022. Sorry, yeah, my bad. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I wish it was 20 years ago because then I wouldn't, you know, have to be an adult. That would have been great. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I, and that's another thing, too. I just, I, I, whatever with the song, I could care less. I, I've never, I have always known the song and I never cared for it. So I, I'm i glad that it's it's getting, it's due, you know, like it's come up in now because there's a lot of really good artists who are making covers of it that I actually do enjoy because it's not her voice. So I think that's a lot of fun. Oh Whatever. Jesus, that's I know, that's another I, fucking annoying thing. Like, oh, everyone, everyone else likes it. Let's cover it. Let's do a cover. Oh, we want to be too, we're cool too, guys. Look at us. We're cool too. Like we do the new thing too, because you know, like 
We just, like, this fucking society, these Gen Z, these kids have started this shit, just copying everything. <laughs> not coming out with any fucking thing original and just copying. <coughs> Sorry. I'm, I got- just, I'm, I'm waiting for Josh to start yelling, <laughs> get off my lawn. Because- Bro, it's true, though. If you, like, <clears throat> if you follow anything on TikTok, all the viral... <coughs> I fucking swallowed my own spit because I was I so enraged. I know, so angry, everybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> How fucking pathetic. What a pathetic man I am, but whatever. It, it, it is fucking true. Uh, you know, the master of puppets, all these people are just now discovering Metallica, right? Which, to me, I think is insane because it's like, even if you don't listen to Metallica, you should at least hear it. You know... And I'm not a fan of Metallica. I love metal, but Metallica is not my favorite. I, I'm going to say that right now, and I'm sorry if that's like an unpopular opinion. It's, you know, whatever. I'm not trying to upset anybody. Not at the biggest fan of Metallica. I do like some of their songs, but it, what's his name? Fucking, he annoys the fuck out of me. James, but anyways, ha- James Hetfield. James Hetfield annoys, he annoys <laughs> me to no end. I'm not even going to get into that. But again, you know. You seem are, you seem big on voices, like like you either I, like, like a voice makes or breaks a band for you. It does. It's it's his voice and some of their song choices. Like I do, I you know, for someone who hates, like I don't hate Metallica, but there are a few songs that oh my god, but if they come on the radio, I'm like excited. But other than that, I'm just not a huge fan. Master of Puppets, not the biggest fan of it. I do like that scene simply because I think it's important. Even though I'm not a fan of Metallica, I'm a fan of of I love metal. I love rock in general. I love I love music where that people create. I'm not big on house music. I'm not big on music where you know everyone's got a, a voice synthesizer and nobody's creating their own music. Like I'm not big on that, and I'm not trying to be a snob. And I'm not a musician. So yeah, I you like what you like. I mean, it. no one no one can call you out for like not liking something unless you're just wrong. Like if you said that. You didn't like Phil Collins, you'd just be wrong. It's not It's not about your... Every, okay, listen, I love Phil Collins. Okay, Everyone good. loves Phil Collins. I'm not going to come for Phil, All but right. um, I, I do respect Metallica because a lot of people were getting very angry with all of these kids now just discovering it. Yeah, no, that doesn't... Well, that annoys me as well. I mean, well, to be uh, fair, like... People, they... Everyone knows who Metallica is. That's just how big they are. But they only know their Black Album and Enter Sandman. If they're if 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 they know Metallica, that's that's their reference point. What annoys me is that people don't realize that yeah, uh, they had a career before the Black Album, and that's most like it sounds so snobby saying this. Most quote unquote true Metallica fans like the shit before the black album like they ride the lightning kill them all master of puppets uh, injustice for all um like those are considered classic metallica thrash albums uh the album master of puppets which the track comes off of is is arguably like one of the more classic uh hard rock albums that exists and so for people to Basically, old people like me get annoyed by it because we've been around the the world for a while now, like the rotations of the world. Not we've not that I've actually traveled the world, but like we've we've been on this rock for a long time. So we've learned this shit, and we have a respect for it. and And I don't know why it annoys people when like a new generation finds out about something that we've already known about. I don't know why the first reaction for a lot of people is annoyance because it should be like, oh, good. You know, we need 
shows like this to bring ba- good art and good music back into the forefront. So so it kind of forces kids to be like, oh, all this rap shit. I don't have to listen to just this. I, there's other music out here that's equally valid that yeah. that is also good. And, oh, maybe I'll stop just listening to trap music all the time and, and actually listen to different forms of art that, uh, you know, are subjectively way better than trap music. Uh, but that's me sprinkling my opinion in there. Yeah. I, I mean, one last thing about music, though. I, I, I get it. I get I'm glad that I'm glad that if we're going to have something, bring it to the forefront. Kate Bush, whatever. Metallica. OK, fine, because these kids really need to know. This music. I remember a couple years ago after one of the Super Bowls, Coldplay had played with, um, I forget, it was a bunch of other pop art artists that were playing with them at the Super Bowl, the halftime show. And um, the kids were saying, well, I didn't know who the hell that, that white guy was. They were talking about, you know, Chris Martin. And I'm like, okay, that was Coldplay. <laughs> and I'm like thinking to myself, Coldplay has been out for, I can't even tell you how long. Like, I mean, they're not, they're no spring chickens either. Um, they're not, obviously they're not metal or anything, but you know, for the, the fact of the matter is, is that we're never, these kids are never going to know unless we, we incorporate it in something that they are going to be obsessed with. Right. So whether, however they find it is how they find it. I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm glad that they know it. At least they know it now. And, and hopefully they'll stop listening to shitty music. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know. You create reference points is what I like to call it. Like, so now the kid has a reference point in their head for this song, and they like this song. So then when they hear other music that sounds like that song that they heard, that then they get turned on to that. And before you know it, if it happens, you know, on a mega scale, then rock makes a comeback, and you start see- hearing that on the radio again instead of again. all this other bullshit. Season four. Um, and like I said, I just I just waltzed right into season four without having to wait or anything because like I was like, ah, the Sopranos are over. What am I gonna watch next? Oh yeah, I forgot. I've been meaning to watch Stranger Things, and then I just binged that, and I'm like, oops, season four, it's right here. No waiting for Josh. It was pretty awesome for me actually. Well, that's nice for you, and I wish you know I kind of wish I hadn't watched it because I usually I do the same thing. I'll wait for a show to be on for like I did that with Game of Thrones. It was like four seasons until I started watching it. Yeah, And then I binged all of them and then finally got into the new season. And I wish I had done that with this because I think it's so hard for me to recall like really good moments on this show. But um, with this season four, firstly, that with, with the introduction of Eddie Munson, I just have to say this, probably the most perfect character in like any, any show, any movie I've seen in so fucking long. What a gem what an amazing like I love the fact that they brought in the whole satanic panic thing very subtly at first but then just kind of ran with it like I just I oh my god what a fucking character I just the Joseph Quinn amazing I just the minute you're introduced to Eddie and how he behaves the way he moves the way he talks the way he speaks his hair everything is just I just oh my god I fell in love with this character and I knew from the get-go I knew from day one, I'm like, they're going to fucking kill him. <laughs> I just knew it. And, you know, of course, spoiler alert, he does die at the end. And I, I shared with you my theory that I heard on other. I'm not a D&D person, everybody. So I know that there's a lot of D&D lore with the show. Don't know a fuck all about d and I'm sorry. 
I don't know if you do, Josh. Is that no, no, no. I don't know. I, 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 the only thing I know about D and D is what little research I did uh, regarding like Vecna is a character in D and D, and um, some of the other uh, characters that they that they named. Yeah, I think like the Demigorgon and the Mind Flayer, those are all D&D characters. And that's why I wanted to listen to Much Ado About Nerding, because um, I know that they're all big into D&D. So I'm like, okay, they'll probably know a little bit more than I knew about this shit, because I'm not going to fucking read about it. Not that I don't care. If you play D&D, good for you. I I just, I don't get it. Um, (laughs) So, um, but then again, you know, here I am doing a podcast and talking about nothing for two hours. So here we are. Uh, But as far as like... The, the power, the, okay, between Eddie and then we have Argyle's character, okay, and Argyle is played by, I wrote it down, he's so cute too, I love his hair, my mom like calls me, she's like, I love his hair, he's got the most beautiful hair, and I, I can't even find his name now in my notes, because I'm crazy, oh, Eduardo Franco, so those two characters, what a fucking amazing, like, addition to the season and to the show itself to have these characters. Like, I didn't give a shit about Elle, really. Almost the entire... Well, at the beginning, I cared about her, especially when she hit that bitch in the face with a skate. Like, you know oh, what? Yeah. I, I don't advocate for violence, but at that point, that fucking they, bitch deserved they it. They were being so over-the-top, like, 1980s movie bully to her. Like, okay, first of all, in the real world, I don't care how long it's been since I've been in school. You would never, like, la- like if someone went up in class and did their presentation and said, my hero is my dad, and especially knowing that he died because he was the police chief. And Well, I guess in California, maybe they wouldn't have known that. So maybe they didn't know he was dead. I don't know. But it's like... <sighs> I just don't see a kid actually, and, I, and in the movies they do this, but in real life I don't see the popular girl pushing Elle and knocking her diorama on the concrete and then the, the other person come up and stomping on it and then everyone laughing at her as she cries. I, I just don't see any school where the kids would be that fucking cruel. Like, I mean, well, I, I don't, I, I beg to differ with you there. I got bullied really badly in middle school. I mean, girls would steal my stuff, like, like just destroy things in front of me. Like, I mean, I remember things like that. Oh, I got, I got bullied too, but it, it, it wasn't. I, I got, mean, girls are, are this is different kind of bullying. It's, it's more of a get into your, your skin and in your head kind of thing, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, doing. fair enough. I, I, I don't, I don't. I don't really know the girl brand of bullying other than just <laughs> just cold silence from them as I pass them by in the halls because their interest level in me was below zero. Um, but the, the guys basically were just like, you're fat. <laughs> you know, that was... That, uh, I remember one of, the, one of the ones that cut me pretty deep was I was talking to this kid, Brandon. He was this really good skateboarder. And I was trying to ask him why he didn't like me. And um, then this kid, Eric, I fucking hated this kid so much for what he would. He was the worst. He was the worst of the bullies. So I'm talking to this Brandon kid and Eric walks up. He goes, what's this little bitch crying about? And Brandon's like, he he wants to know why I don't like him. And then Eric goes, because you're fat and you can't skate. 
and, oh and that like hurt so bad dude i just like i had no comeback and eric was older than me and could clearly beat my ass and i had never even been in a fight before and he like fucking did it for fun so it was the exact kind of you know like billy kind of character where it's like no one's gonna step to him because like he can clearly beat any of their asses um yeah. so yeah so i mean there was that but like i don't know smashing the diorama and all that shit and then in the skating rink where they're like just all <laughs> like laughing and pointing and it's just like that is like cartoonishly over the top bullying well you know and, the, and you have to think about it too like I think that obviously there's a different dynamic between that back then and what we have now because now they just attack each other online right, right? online yeah it could um, be more brutal back- online for sure because people are cowards in person but online they got they got bulls all of a sudden. Oh, for sure. And that's that's what's sad is that I think that in the 80s and probably in the 90s and even in the early 2000s before all of these things were so prevalent with um, social media that I think being violent towards each other and having a group of people like against you was what they did. And I remember I remember clicks being that way. And I just I, I don't necessarily really see that now because I teach teenagers I don't really see that now. So I think in a way they are nicer to each other in, in lots of ways and to their face. I don't really see too much. I mean, yeah, they get in a fight. They're always going to – kids are always going to fight. They're, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like that's ba- basic human, like hardwired in our DNA, like fighting. But Yeah, but there's no real clicks anymore. Like there's no – like it's just – it's it's so – it's kind of nice because I'll see kids who are clearly dressed and, and look completely different from each other all hanging out and being friends and like working together. And I'm like, this never would have happened when I was in high school. I remember we had like a big ass courtyard. One tree was all the rednecks. One tree was all the jocks. One tree was the nerds, which was I was in that tree. And <laughs> then, <laughs> you don't say. I know. So like, you know, every every tree had a different, you know, they got rid of those trees since then because I go back to that high school every now and again for trainings. I'm like, oh, they got rid of the trees. I wonder why. Um, Because literally everybody was segregated. But if we're talking about cliques and that sort of thing, if you think about um, if you think about Eddie and what he represents. So he obviously represents he's in a band. He's, you know, considered the other He's the head or the the dungeon master, I guess, of D&D, uh, whatever that means. You know, he, he has the Hellfire Club, which you can't see me. I mean, you guys don't do your videos. We, we always, like, post. We edit our, our YouTube videos, and we put them on. Put them on. <laughs> that's, way too, that's, that's way too much extra work. I know, I know. That's, I, know. That's, I mean, but I do have my Hellfire Club shirt on because I am absolutely obsessed with Eddie. And so... Um, to, to see Eddie and Chrissy have a dynamic and he, even then I was reading later that the Duffer brothers were sad that they had killed her off so soon because they had killed her before they had filmed the scene that Eddie and Chrissy do together in the woods and they oh. didn't realize. Yeah. So they had already killed her off and then they went and shot the scene between the two of them and they didn't realize like what good chemistry those characters had. And they actually were saying they regretted killing off Chrissy like that because you know, that that the the dynamic between Chrissy and Eddie I think is such a good one because while they're both super different like you could totally tell that there is a an understanding and a camaraderie there and it's I think it's really important for 
characters to have that kind of, you know, relationship together, especially when we have all these other characters that we've been dealing with, with, you know, the past three years. And now we have these two brand new characters and it's so sad how they, you know, Eddie is such an integral part. Like, yes, he always runs away and he always, he always like berates himself for running away, which is awful, but you know, he's just trying to survive. I don't, I don't fault him for anything. The fact that he died the way he dies and the fact that they, um, how Destin describes the death to his uncle afterwards is just so callous. Like, what a cop-out. What a horrible way to end a character on the show because you're basically saying that Eddie was a target for the entire time because they thought he was, like, this, this you know, satanic person, right? He was a target from the beginning. And he was a target even before whatever happened with Christy because nobody liked him and everybody thought he was, you know, this, that, and the third just because he's, quote, the other. And what a fucking cop-out to kill off this character. And, you know, I, I don't want to believe he's dead, but honestly, I think he is. Dude, he, they're going to bring him back. They're gonna, I don't know. He is, especially now after the... He's become a fucking meme at this point. I mean, every everybody's all the chicks are are fangirling over this kid, and I that blew me away more than anything. I'm like, really? Like Eddie? Like, and it's like, yeah, you know, Doja Cat's trying to get into his DMs and all that shit. Where Noah Shot, who played uh, Will. Uh, you know, leaked. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah leaked their conversation because Doja hit up for some reason Noah when she easily just could have hit up uh, Ed- Eddie's character or, or whoever played Eddie hit him up directly. Uh, she she uh, sends Noah a message being like, "Yo, is he single?" and blah blah blah. And I don't know if that te- screenshot helped his his lore grow, but uh, my God, the amount of chicks that I talked to who were like. Oh my God, Eddie is a dreamboat, and I'm like, I don't see it, and I don't, and I don't see what the big deal is about his character. This is where this is where Josh comes out and turns. <laughs> this is the plot twist of this episode of this oh podcast. Oh my God, this is where Josh and Ed start fighting. Okay, go like, ahead. <laughs> I didn't see what the big deal about him was. He was he was a Keanu Reeves, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure knockoff. Like he had all the same, you know, mannerisms. The whole. You know, rock and roll, dude, and all that kind of stuff, man. And it's just like, he was a total trope. Uh, he, you know, like, sold, he, like, was a drug dealer, which I fucking hate drug dealers. Um, he, you know, which, I mean, it's just a show, so whatever. I could look past that. Uh, I, I I, didn't, you know, I'm, I'm never shy of saying if I find a dude handsome or not. I didn't find him particularly good-looking. In fact, when all the ladies were flipping out about him, I'm like... This guy could get all this <laughs> pussy, and yet I, <laughs> I had the problems that I did. Like, what the fuck? This is not realistic. Like, it, like to me, it made sense why chicks were turned away from him in the show. Because, like, yeah, I mean, it's like he looked kind of, you know, geeky, whatever, you know, slash metal or whatever. Like, I don't understand all this Eddie fangirling that's going on. I just don't get it. Like... I I thought his uh, the funniest scene with Eddie was when we, they were in the Upside Down and he discovers his up his guitar in the Upside Down. He's like, "Whoa, it's like where she was always meant to be. She looks even more rad now, or whatever." He says. I thought that was really fucking funny. And like, I I obviously love the music angle because I myself being a musician and the Master of Puppets thing was 
it was just so hilariously over the top. You had to love it. And Master of Puppets is such a good fucking song and just so fucking epic. And, uh, you know, like, it was, it was to the point of parody at the end where he's, like, playing the guitar solo, like, as the bats are coming for him. And it's just like, no, he's, he has to finish the song and all that. It was just like... But, I you know, they knew, they knew that, that it was tongue-in-cheek. Like, the, you know, the Duffer brothers, I'm sure they knew that that was you know supposed to be comic relief to a certain degree because you know that's one thing about season four but uh i'll let you respond to my take on eddie before i'll go into what the thing about season four what do you think about that huh Uh, well okay i i'm just taking it with a grain of salt i can understand why some people wouldn't have an allure with eddie but i've always liked guys who've looked like that so for me it was nothing new for me um but like i i just i like i just i don't know i've always been drawn to that type of guy so I think that for me I he's he's my type I don't I can't speak to all of the women that you've spoken to Josh I have no idea who they are and what they like however I can speak to the fact that you know Joseph Quinn does play guitar he did learn the song like that is him playing I I figured it looked it looked like he was really playing it I figured he probably learned the song yeah he even he even goes on there saying he's like it's the most ridiculous thing but it could only be like we could only take it, you know, seriously because it is in the upside down and because we can do that. And like he's on, you know, you know, interviewing saying that he's like it's the, absolutely the most ridiculous thing, right, for him to be doing that. But it makes sense because we're in the upside down because we have all of this, right? So at the end of the day, um, it's okay that you don't like Eddie. I'm just gonna sit and cry about that because it's Eddie not that I don't favorite. like him. I just didn't. I, I he was he, I'm like okay, he's okay. I, I just. People like flipping out over a character that I think is just okay. It makes, I guess, it makes me feel alienated because it's like, what, what am I not seeing here that everyone else is apparently seeing? You know, it's like, what? Well, like- he has the the problem with the thing with Eddie is that as the show goes on and you're seeing how he behaves, especially the way he interacts all the with all of the characters. When he's talking to Steve, when he's talking to Dustin, when he even when he's talking to Erica, there is just something very genuine and beautiful about a character who is yeah yes he sells drugs but he's not a, he's a kid he's selling weed for Christ's sake I mean yeah he was going to go get her some other stuff I think from his uncle stash or whatever but at the end of the day he really was just trying to do what Chrissy wanted because you could tell he liked her like, I, and I do agree I, I, I hate how they killed her off so quick because like yeah I, I, I was kind of pining to see where that would go with them and then dead i know and i think that they would have been such a cute little you know part of the show they could have killed her later i wish she would have stayed alive longer but then we wouldn't have had i don't think that jason's character so and in season four it's obviously 1986 hopper's dead from season three or everyone thinks he is and um joyce moves to california with jonathan and will and the rest of the kids are still in hawkins l L moves with him as well Al, yeah, Al leaves with Joyce. So, she, you know, Joyce basically takes Al because Hopper's gone. And, you know, Al is dealing with her own hell over there. She and Will are being bullied at the high school. And at the beginning of the season, Mike goes to visit them. And Nancy doesn't go. So basically the entire season is this whole thing with Nancy and Steve sort of kind of rekindling what they used to have. Because Jonathan's just a big fucking pothead and doesn't even fucking call her. Like, Jonathan's being a total prick the whole time. Like, 
This is what I'm talking about, guys. Like, if you like a girl or you're into her, then fucking call her. It takes two fucking seconds to call her. And he didn't call her once. Instead, he was getting high with his friend in the back of the van and doing shit all the entire season. The only thing I liked about Jonathan this season was the fact that he was so empathetic to Will's situation. And, like, he could tell what Will was going through, especially with Will's, uh, you know, we know that Will likes Mike at this point. Obviously, Will is gay, everybody. That's not explicitly saying it, but Will does have feelings for Mike. Not a big deal. I don't give a shit. What I care, what I think was beautiful was that at that time frame, Jonathan could have easily have dismissed his brother and fucking, you know, di- disowned him, right? Yeah. And he didn't. And he didn't. And he could see what was going on because that's how well he knows his brother. And I just thought that was such a beautiful dynamic between those two. But other than that, Jonathan had no business being with Nancy anymore. Like, he picked another school to go to. He didn't tell her. Like, pick up the fucking phone. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? Like, uh, I don't blame Nancy for, you know, for he, the, the whole thing with she and Steve going on. Because, honestly, like, Jonathan totally dropped the ball and he can go suck a dick. I don't care. Anyways, that's that's my two cents with that. I'm getting so mad about that. I don't know why. First of all, I was so proud. I was like, I remember messaging you and we were talking about it ahead of time. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're going to make Will come out as gay in season five. And you're like, uh, yeah, everybody, everybody already knows that he's probably gay. And I'm like, oh, man, I thought I was like really figured out something there. Like the the obvious shit that I like that I think is like this, this profundary discovery is like it, it just boggles my mind every time where I'm like, whoa. I think that this person's gonna die, and then it's like, well, well, yeah, of course Billy was gonna die. He was a fucking asshole. Nobody liked him, and it's like, yeah, I, I just, I, I think the smartest discovery I had was the whole eight thing with the spinoff. But aside from that, I've just made these very obvious, like, uh huh. Welcome to uh, three weeks ago when we all uh, <laughs> knew that as soon as it happened. You know, a second, yeah, the second I- thing I'm gonna say is like. I feel the writing, the writers dropped the ball on the uh, Jonathan and Nancy situation. I loved it when they got together in, what, season two? Because it made so much sense. Now, yes, you could argue that it was a trauma bond, and they were both searching for their their specific loved ones or whatever, but it made sense. She was bookish and nerdy, and he was nerdy, and he needed someone and was lonely, and she wasn't... You know, they had that whole conversation in the woods of like, oh, what you're gonna get with, uh, you know, the jock who's gonna become a, you know, get get a good job, and then you're gonna go out to the suburbs and get, become the very boring, the person that you hate about your parents and this, that, and the other. And she, he kind of made her realize that that's exactly what she was doing because she was bitching about how boring her parents were, and he was like, you're gonna turn out the same exact way, living that suburban life, and. So, you know, and he was more intelligent than Steve, and he just, they fit so well. And then, season four, they, they turn him into a total douchebag. And they make yeah. Steve the more likable guy, the more docile, a docile, gentler Steve. Uh, because that was one of my rando points I was going to bring up, is that, in my opinion, the character who had the most development in the entire show was Steve. Because... Yeah. It, in season one, I hated Steve. I wanted Steve something bad to happen to him. He was a dumb jock. He seemed like all, all he cared about was getting into Nancy's pants. It's like, I want, I want this guy to go away or something bad to happen to him. But my God, the way that they evolved that character over the episodes, like, 
the first kind of hint of him maybe not being a piece of shit was when he just took that spiky baseball bat to the Demogorgon in uh, Will's or Jonathan's trailer or whatever when Jonathan and Nancy were trying to stop the de- or lure the Demogorgon in and uh, Steve randomly shows up. He's like, oh, you know, perfect seeing you here. And Nancy's like, Steve, you got to go. And he's like, fuck that. And then, like, you know, Steve ends up coming in and kind of helping save those two or whatever. And then as things go on, he like, okay, I believe that there's something fucked up going on here. And it seems like almost at that moment, he completely drops the whole macho jock shtick, and he kind of is like, okay, how can I help? And then just from there on, they just make him more and more likable, and they make Jonathan less and less likable. And I, I didn't like how they did that, because I don't think that that's how it would have worked in, in reality, in the real world. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I... The, the whole thing, the, and this will probably be the last thing we touch on because I have to have to move on to my next show in a little bit. But oh, sorry, um, yeah, I'm taking forever. No, you're you're fine. There's no, a lot to I've, talk about with this show. There's a find lot out. to talk. I knew this was going to be a long episode. I'm just sorry that you're going to have to edit it. So that's uh, fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, um, but the the whole thing with Steve is that Steve learns what he is doing is wrong. He, or he he figures out what he's doing is wrong. He learns from it and he grows from it, right? And I think that it's important to have a character that way because a lot of people do not behave that way. A lot of people will not admit when they are wrong and they won't learn from it and they don't move on and they don't grow from it, right? And so Steve is, you know, not the, I guess, not typical for a lot of people to do, but I think that a lot of people can learn from him. Yes, he was a douchey, he was a big douchebag, but eventually he sort of realizes that he was wrong, and he knows what how he behaved was wrong with Nancy, and we, we and he mentions that in season four. And the thing is, is that because he's growing, I see him as a better person than Jonathan because Jonathan knows what he's doing is incorrect. He knows what he's doing is wrong, but does he ever even tell? He never even tells Nancy that he's going to another college by the end. Remember at the end, he comes back, they get, they hug, and then he's asking her later, are we okay? And like, doesn't tell her anything. And so he's still in the fucking wrong. And so for me, I just feel that I think it's normal for people to kind of be set in their ways like Jonathan is and not move forward. And then others to learn from that and move forward like Steve has. So that's what I had to say about that. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I mean, they they wrote it to go the way it, it it's gone. I mean, they could have written Jonathan better to where he still cared, but they just decided to make Jonathan distant. And I didn't agree. I didn't agree with that decision. But hey, it's not my fucking show. But I can comment yeah. on it. I mean, I see that because I've known guys who claim, you know, I've been in relationships with guys who claim they, they have feelings for me, but then they act apathetic like Jonathan. And it's like, okay, you may think you like me or you may say that, right? I, but I don't I particularly just, believe you by your actions. So <laughs> I just got out of something like that. We ne- We didn't officially become boyfriend and girlfriend, but we were like going on dates and shit. And she said she liked me, but showed no affection physically or otherwise never said anything remotely sweet not that i crave a lot of that because i don't but i want at least some kind of indication that you see me as more than just a friend and i was getting none of that and it was just like even communicating with me was like a chore to get her even send me a fucking message on messenger and 
we 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 pretty much just ended it because the weird yeah. thing was she like I first ended it with her for these same reasons and then she reached back out to me after seeing me at one of my gigs and like the next day she reached back out to me and we started talking again and she you know we reconnected and then she just started doing the same exact shit she did the first time and it's like bro why did you even reconnect with me if you're just gonna do that same shit like I do not understand this person and anyway um well but that's again people can say what they want to say but just remember the actions speak louder than words right so right. i think that they did a really good show like the 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 duffer brothers do a really good job at creating these characters that have a that are very involved and it's not just steve and and, and eddie as I would like to say, you know, all of them have their own shtick, right? Because, you know, even like Argyle, the pothead that he is, he's sweet. And like, you know, he fell in love with that sister. Like, I thought that was such a cute little dynamic they had there. I thought they were going to kill his ass off, too. I'm like, I'm starting to like Argyle and they're going to end up killing him, too. I'm like so annoyed by this. So oh, that that guy, the the new friend of Jonathan. Yeah, I loved him. Uh, like, I was, loved that, him. That guy was kind of <laughs> annoying. That guy was kind of... <laughs> I, I I thought his like his his dudisms were ca- kind of funny every now and then, but man, ultimately it's like he was like a cartoon character amongst everyone else in that world. I mean, he was just yeah. He was. I mean, yeah. I, I I can see the the why people wouldn't like him, but I by the end of the season, I really. I really thought he was so great. So I, I don't know. I people grow on me. I thought that Erica was a lot better in this season. I really liked her in the season too. Um, so more, how about know, this? Developed. Like, there's still so much shit. Like, we haven't even gotten to Vecna yet. And and number no. one, how how about we break this up into a two parter so we can let you go and we because I I I really want to do this series justice. And there's so much shit in part four to talk about. So we can reconvene yeah. if need be uh like next week or a week from now or whatever um and and do a part two on this because there's just there's so much more shit to expound upon and, and in season four it's a super long season and um yeah i did you know it's already six thirty, and i need to get my shit in gear too because i gotta work tonight so uh we'll just do that uh wrap up real quick um if you want to donate to our patreon it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries uh for five dollars you can tell us me and mike uh what uh show you want us to cover not not an entire show what episode of say like unsolved mysteries one segment damn it (laughs) if it's a show it's like 50 bucks or something i don't know we'll watch a whole damn series for that amount um Anyway, uh, patreon.com slash uncovering explain mysteries. Uh, if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can go to uh, facebook.com, uh, go to the search bar, type in uncovering unexplained mysteries, go to the groups tab, and you'll find us in the group. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you can answer two questions and you're in. And the amount of people are you joining this group because you listen to the unexplained, uncovering unexplained mysteries podcast? No. Second question, if you put no, then why do you want to join this group? I really like mysteries. Yeah, you're not getting let in. Just people who do that, which you wouldn't do that if you're listening to this now. Shut up, Josh. Go on. Um, (laughs) If you want more of me and aid uh, for me, you can go to, uh, well, me and aid separately. So, like, if you like the sound of aid's voice and you want to hear more of that, We'll start with you. Where do you go to find your things? 
Okay, well, guys, I do a horror podcast with the rest of my co-hosts, Jake, Mikey, Jason, and Doug. And if you want to hear us, you can follow us on Instagram at Slashers Pod. You can follow me at Pathologically ADE on Instagram. We're also on the Boomer Book. You can find us there as well, too. But Boomer Book. We don't really use it. So, I'm sorry, Facebook. Excuse me. Um, so please go ahead. Give us a like and subscribe and give us a follow. We just did a really great episode on the Grindhouse movies, which was a lot of fun. We collaborate with a lot of other um, podcasts like Damn That Scary and Much Ado About Nerding. And now I'm, you know collaborating with josh's podcast too so yay love it so you know we're all friends like podcasts are like it's a community and it's really it's a beautiful thing so i'm glad that we're doing this yes so slashers podcast check that out if you want more of me uh you can my band is dancing with ghosts you can get us on spotify or any other streaming platform but i'm also on youtube where i make all kinds of video content it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts once again youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts i usually focus on music related things although my latest video was my top 10 hidden gems for the og nintendo the regular nintendo the first Nintendo, the Famicom, as they called it in Japan. Uh, Just hidden gem games that nobody ever talks about. You always hear about the Marios and the Zeldas, but you never hear about Shatterhand or Zexies or Kabuki Quantum Fighter. Those are just three of the ten hidden gems uh, on the NES. I do a bunch of other stuff, so go over there. So anyway, uh, for me and Aid, it looks like she'll be sticking around for another one of these uh, which I'm sure Mike isn't super bummed about because he's really busy, and I'm sure there's other things he'd he could be doing. That I wouldn't I wouldn't I won't say rather be doing, but he could be doing than uh, talking about Stranger Things. But uh, yeah, look out next week for part two. And if you hated this episode, damn, you're in for a rough couple of weeks. Uh, all right, have a good night. Bye. That's why, as much as I hate the guy, that's why I was happy for Machine Gun Kelly's success with his pop punk albums because it is it is Trojan horsing like rock back into the mainstream because, yes, Machine Gun Kelly sucks, but there's going to be another punk band that comes along that doesn't suck that will actually have a chance at success now because of Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Because record labels are going to look at Oh man, did you see the numbers on Machine Gun Kelly's two punk 
punk pop albums, like, oh, wow, there's a market for this music again. Let's go and sign all these other bands that sound like pop punk, and, you know, now Dancing with Ghosts has a chance all of a sudden. <laughs> what I'm saying. Well, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I really, and that's what drew me to you guys. Like, I heard you play. I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. Like, this is great. Because you just don't see... I, I just feel like it's just so hard now to, to go out and see live music. Like now when you see rock bands, like they're just doing cover songs. I mean, not that you didn't do a cover song, but it's the whole thing is cover music, right? It's Either like cover music or they're doing their worst impression of ripping off their favorite band. Like, oh, okay, yeah. this is clearly a band that, you know, really likes, uh, you know, fucking uh, Lamb of God. Or this is a band that clearly their favorite band is Weezer or this band clearly yeah. their favorite band is whatever and they're just doing a facsimile of uh, of that band and um, Dancing with Ghosts is the only band that is unsigned <laughs> that is doing original music that is not biting off from their influences so that's why you need to go check us out <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that, like you know, oh, you know, all these other bands are doing this, but not us. You know, there are other good bands out there, but they're fucking hard to find, man. Like local, like local and regional, and like under the radar, yeah. they're fucking hard to find. Like it, it is, and it's sad because you know I grew up on this music. My dad was always in bands, so I think that this is just why I like I just know everything, and. For me, it's so sad because, you know, you hear the shit that the kids are in and whatever. I mean, I can't I can't say anything, whatever. And our art is art. So if people enjoy it, they enjoy it. If you like Kanye, like Kanye. I don't give a fuck. No, I mean, but, Kanye, I mean, that dude actually has some cr- like creative kind of weird like that. His album Yeezus, like that's basically like an industrial album with rap vo- vocals over it. And some like I mean, he's I like the 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 the. the acts that come to my mind that annoy me is like hey you got a new little baby song or da baby or the oh fucking poo shiesty and fucking uh all those fucking rappers and with their you know and even like pop music like, i just don't ever it's so weird because i don't s- listen to i don't know any i don't think i've ever heard a song by ariana grande like i really and if i did if Damn. i did hear it i didn't know it was her because well, i literally put myself in a bubble that i don't listen to anything i've been djing since like 2013 so like and i forget when i'm doing karaoke uh and yes this is a tangent i might just put this at the end of the podcast i don't know i forget a lot of times when I'm doing karaoke that I've been doing this every week for since 2013. So when someone signs up for what's up by the four non blondes, everyone freaks out and they love it. And I'm over here aghast that they would dare choose a song that I have to hear fucking at least three or four times every single week. And then I have to remind myself, Bro, not everyone goes out to bars every night like you do. Not everybody listens to music the way that you do. These people probably have heard this song once in the last 20 years, and it's still new to them. And it's so hard for me to wrap my head around that, but like, then someone like you just said, I haven't heard a single Ariana Grande song, and it's like, how is that possible? Because she's been putting out these, like, stupid radio songs since at least like i think 2015 or so but then it's like well aid's not a dj she's a teacher she and when you aren't a dj you are able to sequester yourself away from the world of pop culture and not keep <laughs> up with it i mean i've done that with modern like 
pop. I mean, I know, yeah, of course, I know like the big ones that come out, like the A B D C E F U and your mom and you know all that crap. Um, uh, yeah, like I, that's the thing. It's like I don't know. And if it comes on, the kids are like, oh, you know what? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, just put whatever on because I don't care. Like I got. Um, Whenever they annoy me, I'll put on something. I'm like, don't make me put my shit on because I'll put it on. Because I usually just play like, I'll play like the Etta James on my Pandora. Like, so like all of these old, like, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, all that music, like Stevie Wonder and stuff comes on with that. So like, I'll play that just in the background because I can't sit in silence because I'm crazy. And Every now and again, they'll complain to me. And, you know, my demographic is probably, you know, 70% low income at my school. So, like, you know, you would think that they would would be appreciate some of this music, right? And they get mad at me. And I'm like, I'll put my fucking metalcore on because that's basically mostly what I listen to at this point in my life. And they're like, what? What? What is that? And sometimes, like, I'll put it on and they get so mad. And I'm like, ha, that's what you get. Because, like, you need to appreciate the old music, too. And, like, you need to know it. And then... I don't even know what happened a couple of years ago. And you need to put this, like, take all of this out. This is awful. But a couple of years ago, I put on, um, I was playing Queen for whatever reason. And I forget which song it was. But all the kids are sitting there like, oh, my God, this shit is lit. What is this? And I'm like, um, (laughs) I just stared at them like it's Queen. (laughs) I, like, couldn't believe it. So I think that exposing these kids to all of this is a good thing. So we're better off for Stranger Things for having done that. Um, regardless of whether or not they should have been doing it before. I'm sorry, but I mean, whatever it is with this. So season four, let's move on. 